Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we continue our 2020 positional primer discussing the offensive line. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. We are continuing our 2020 positional primer. And today, David, we are diving in to the trenches. I know that's your favorite thing to discuss. That's how you kicked off the defensive side of the ball when I was curled up in the fetal position dying from the flu. Uh, We are going to talk about the offensive side. We're going to talk about the offensive line and uh, maybe some some potential targets, some people they could bring back and kind of the overall state of the line. How does that sound to you, buddy? It sounds amazing. As we're sitting here being jealous of the Chiefs and the Titans and their offensive lines. I'm just jealous of good buddy Herbie Teope, who is a Kansas City Chiefs beat writer. Um, that that dude has seen so much like historic football because up until partway through this season, well, so he started off as a Chiefs beat writer, and then he actually ended up becoming a Saints beat writer. And up until earlier this regular season, he was doing that, and then he went back to Kansas City and started covering the Chiefs again. So, I mean, he not only has he been was he there last weekend uh, to see that amazing game with between the Chiefs and the and the Texans, but he saw both of the previous season's Saints playoff games. That you know, while they obviously didn't go the Saints' way, they were just like historic moments in postseason history, things that affected rule changes. And I mean, that dude has seen some great football in his time. So, super jealous about Herbie. So what you're saying is if the Chiefs go on to lose this game in controversial fashion, it's because of the curse of Herbie? Well, I mean, but that's it's not even a curse because, I mean, <laughs> the, the, he's been on hand for some some amazing Chiefs comebacks. So, I mean, he's just 
Like if Herbie Tiobi is there, you're probably about to see a good game. That's pretty much what it boils down to. Yeah, Herbie's a good dude. You introduced me to him in Indianapolis last year, and and yeah, uh, yeah he seemed like uh, seemed like a lot of fun. I was I was sad that I couldn't hang out with all of you guys as as often as I would have liked to, but that's neither here nor there. We are uh, we are going to go ahead and dive into this offensive line discussion. And and David, you uh, you have a list of of players currently under contract. Uh, players that their contract expired, they're entering free agency. Do you want to run down that list, or you want me to to attack it? Uh, I'll let you do it. Oh, gee, golly, gosh, thanks. Uh, all right, so under contract, the Buccaneers at tackle currently have Donovan Smith and uh, Brad Seaton, who is a uh, he signed to a futures deal. As far as guards are concerned, you got Ali Marpet, Alex Kappa, Aaron Stinney, and Zach Bailey. Your center is Ryan Jensen and Anthony Fabiano, another player on a futures contract. There's long snapper Zach Triner. Uh, and then guys that that were with the team in 2019 whose contracts expired, they're entering free agency. You have Earl Watford, DeMar Dotson, Gerald Hawkins, and Josh Wells. So, David, where would you like to start with all of this? Well, I mean, I think first thing we can do is talk about Ryan Jensen just because he's a guy who really coming into the season, there was a lot of talk about Ryan, you know, mainly due to penalties and, and kind of the perceived lack of, of performance by the offensive line in a whole coming out of 2018. And a lot of people, even during the last offseason, pointing to what is now this offseason, so present day, uh, Buccaneer fandom, whatever, uh, we're pointing at the fact that he's got zero dead money this year. Like all of his guarantees have been paid out. So, in in effect, the Buccaneers could, if they chose to move on from Ryan Jensen, clear $10 million off the salary cap with zero penalty. However, in my opinion, I feel like what Ryan did in, two, in 2019, while the, the run blocking is still, you know, an area to be desired or whatever, I think Ryan Jensen is maybe not, you know, the best run blocking center in the National Football League, but I don't think he's the reason that the the offensive line wasn't getting a, a, as much of a push as maybe most people wanted them to during the last season. So while he's not necessarily the best of, in that area, I don't think he's part of that problem. So in my opinion, um, especially with $90 million in cap space, uh, quote-unquote, coming to the Buccaneers for the 2020 offseason, I think Ryan did enough between 2018 and 2019 to keep him on this $10 million cap hit um, potentially, I mean, you never know, Jason, like, like they might convince him to convert some of that into signing bonus that guarantees him money up front and maybe attack on a year or two and spread some of that money out. But even if they didn't, even if they kept it at the $10 million mark that it is right now, I would be okay with Ryan Jensen staying in Tampa on that, on that amount. Yeah, I, I would agree completely. I think Jensen did enough and, and it's not like the entire offensive line wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't getting their fair share of of penalties called. I, I think it's, I think it's a little more magnified when it's on Jensen or Donovan Smith because of people's issues with them. Uh, I think they tend to look for a reason to blame them for things. And at ten million dollars for this season, it, it's obviously affordable. You know, they have all that cap space. Like you said, they could work out a an extension of sorts or maybe convert some of the money into into a, a signing bonus at the beginning of the year, however they may do it. But there's a, there's a gaping hole as far as starters are concerned with this offensive line. If you get rid of Jensen, now you're talking about having to replace 40% of your starters along the offensive line. And David, that's something you and I talked about to death is the cohesion 
and the um what's the word I'm looking for? Synchronicity. Did I just I like, make up that? I word? like continuity. I continuity. Like that okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh of the offensive line playing together. So if you're replacing 40% of your starters, that's probably going to equate to some poor play at the beginning of the season, some poor blocking, some missed schemes. Keeping as much of this intact as humanly possible will benefit the Bucks rather than rather than hurt them. Right. I mean, especially when you look at the situation with with DeMar Dotson, a lot of people are speculating about whether DeMar is going to come back. Even DeMar himself, uh, when he was on the Peter Nation podcast with the guys over at Peter Report, was talking to Mark and Grizz and those guys. And he even said himself that he's not sure what's going to happen as far as Tampa is concerned. He knows he wants to continue playing, but he doesn't know what the Buccaneers want to do with him. So if he himself doesn't know what the Buccaneers want to do with this at this point in, in the offseason, I mean, again, it, it kind of goes back to like the, these pro players. They're not putting any more tape on film. Like DeMar Dotson's not going to show the Buccaneers anything more than what they already know about him. So at this point, it's a matter of do the Buccaneers think they can do better moving on from him um, because he's not going to be an expensive uh, signing, I don't imagine. So it's it's not going to be a break the bank situation where they're just not willing to pay him the money that he's you know quote unquote deserving. So they could easily bring him back even even either in a depth role or as a potential starter if they don't find a replacement. But if you lose Demar Dotson or if you even bring Demar Dotson, you're already I mean Demar Dotson in 2020 is not going to be you know peak Demar Dotson if you want to call it that. So even if he comes back as a starter, you're still in essence you're still going to decline on the offensive line a little bit. Alex Kappa, I think he held his own pretty well. But I, he, it's not to the point where you can say you, there's no room for improvement at the right guard position. So bringing somebody in to potentially push Alex Kappa either in, from a competition standpoint and make him a better starter or bringing in a guy who just comes in and from day one is a better starter while Kappa fills a depth role. Um, there, there's definitely areas in this in this offensive line to improve in. And then, of course, there's always the Donovan Smith talk, which actually there hasn't been a lot of so far. So maybe we're about to stir that up. But Donovan Smith is always always seems to be a little bit of a hot topic. Uh, so depending on what happens, especially with some of these draft prospects, that that kind of stuff could get stirred up again uh, as we get into to kind of the summer months. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at at the right tackles hitting free agency and DeMar Dotson is the second oldest behind former Buccaneer Donald Penn, who I believe converted from left tackle to right tackle when he went to Washington. I don't think Penn is going to play another year. And, you know, Dotson's 34 years old right now. That's in football years. That's ancient, especially for for an offensive lineman. And I love Dot. I do. If he comes back in a depth role, I'm all for it. I don't think he should be the starting right tackle in 2020. I, I realize that goes back to the continuity and the cohesiveness that we've talked about, but there are some things that Dot just can't do anymore. And there were a lot of big plays, big explosive plays, and long touchdowns that were negated because Dotson lost, you know, not just a half step, he lost a full step. And you could tell on a lot of plays, you know, Jameis Winston, for all the for all the flack that I get him, give him, uh, he got sacked a lot. And he got hit a lot more. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, there were injuries across the line, which don't help any. But DeMar Dotson just isn't the guy that he used to be. And, you know, Donovan Smith, as far as that's concerned, I, I think the the chatter about that has died off because 
our listeners are smart people, David, and they realize that nothing's going to be done about Donovan Smith. He can't go anywhere unless they trade him, which just isn't going to happen. But his money is, it, it is what it is. You know, they're not going to incur dead cap for, for Donovan Smith. You can't just move him from left to right. That's two very different positions. You know, a lot of guys can't switch from one side to the other. Not every offensive lineman is an Ali Marpet who is just so good that he can move everywhere. That's just not who Donovan Smith is. So Donovan Smith, you're starting left tackle for the 2020 season. That's just how it is. So I think people have accepted that and they're just moving on. It's the rest of the line that we have to make sure is, is playing at a top tier level uh, as difficult as that may be to fathom. But to me, it starts and ends with replacing DeMar Dotson on the, on the right side with somebody that can hold up and, and not get the quarterback absolutely obliterated and not negate 40 and 50 yard runs from Ronald Jones. Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure Donovan Smith is your starting left tackle. Oh, geez. Here we go. <laughs> so listen, and, and, and again, this, this is just kind of me speculating, but you know, um, I, I understand you, you have the saying that came out a while back or whatever, where I, I can't remember who it was, but there was like an offensive tackle who was asked how hard is, is it to move from one side to the other? And he said, you know, imagine, you know, you've been wiping your butt, uh, when you go to the bathroom with one hand, now imagine being told you have to switch to the other hand. That's pretty much what it's like. And I've said this on other episodes, I think, with Evan. And I get that analogy. And, and while it sounds like, you know, horrendous or whatever, honestly, like, listen, if I was forced to, if, if I was told, hey, listen, you can either uh, go find a new job or you can keep this multi-million dollar job, but you've got to start wiping your butt with the uh, with the opposite hand. I think I can learn how to do that. And I don't think it would take me mu- very long to be able to do that. Now, I'm sure that playing right tackle versus left tackle is harder than that. But if that's the analogy that a professional offensive lineman is going to give, then that's the analogy I'm going to run with. Um, so here's the thing. So if, and a lot of this ties to Jameis Winston and, I, and obviously we don't want to turn this into a Jameis Winston episode, but if the Buccaneers bring back Jameis Winston, then I think yes, Donovan Smith is your starting left tackle. And that's pretty much all there is to it because Donovan Smith has been protecting Jameis Winston's blind side. However, effectively as you and I, the fans, anybody else, uh, PFF or anybody thinks how, how effectively he's been doing it. Bottom line is he's been doing it. Jameis's entire career and Jameis is comfortable with him. At least he says he's comfortable with him. You know, I've never seen Jameis yelling at Donovan Smith. I've never seen Jameis over there on the sideline. Like we've seen him get into it with guys like Ryan Jensen before. I've never seen him getting in the face of Donovan Smith or vice versa. They hang out in the off season. They hang out in their off time. Like they support each other's causes. So, if Jameis comes back, if Jameis is your quarterback in 2020, then I, yes, I, I believe Don Smith is your starting left tackle solely because of that, at least alone. However, um, and I don't want to start talking draft picks yet because I know we're going we're, we're gonna to do that in a segment here, but a lot of these offensive tackles that are available in this year's draft have played both the right and the left side. So if Jameis Winston isn't your quarterback, and let's say you bring in a Jordan Love, or you bring in a Jacob Eason, or if you know if if my wildest dreams come true and, and Matthew Stafford or Derek Carr are playing in Tampa, uh, Philip Rivers as a name has been thrown around, Andy Dalton. If it's anybody but Jameis, there's no tie to Donovan Smith on the left side there. So if you bring in a veteran specifically, and the Buccaneers are able to get Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs, you know, in the NFL draft, these are guys that have played both sides. Donovan Smith, I got it. He's the veteran. He's been there a minute. But you know what? You're the veteran. So if we're going to make this hard on somebody, 
we're going to make it hard on the veteran because you're the grown up, quote unquote. You're the you're the experienced guy. You're the one who's supposed to take the bullet for the team. And if we look at a first round offensive tackle, like this is a guy that's going to be on this team for at least five years and possibly even longer that we're probably going to tie to a very young quarterback either this year or next year. So would you rather have that young guy on the left side or would you rather have Donovan Smith on the left side? I don't know. I don't know that you don't move Donovan Smith to the right side. Now, at the same time, though, you could make the same argument. Well, especially with a veteran quarterback, keep Donovan on the left, put that rookie on the right. And even if he is your long-term offensive tackle, you move him to the left in year two or three. And I would agree with you. So I'm just saying the door to Donovan Smith moving to the right opens up a little bit more than it is right now if Jameis Winston isn't your quarterback. But I do think Donovan Smith is a starting offensive tackle for the Buccaneers in 2020 regardless. Interesting. I would not have expected you to take that stance. Eh, I'm a, I'm a bag of wonders. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, good sir. Touche. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that that open tackle position just a little bit because you take a look at the free agency landscape mm-hmm. and it's it's not great, but there are some people out there. You know, if you're looking for a guy. You know, let's let's take your hypothetical here. Jameis leaves. You bring in a uh, a Jordan Love or a Herbert or a Eason or whoever. Maybe you you look to draft a offensive tackle in round two or round three, and he's going to need a little bit of time to develop. So you can go out and you can get your bridge guy, your your Brian Bulaga from Green Bay, who's 31 years old, but he's still playing at a high level. He's not going to cost a lot of money. Track has his market value estimated at about $10 million, which isn't wild when you think about how bad Buccaneers fans wanted him just a few years ago and how much money he got in that deal. Or if you really want to shell out the big boy dollars and you want to get your long-term guy now, you're taking a look at Jack Conklin from yeah, Tennessee, you are. who's whose market value is $15 million a year for a right tackle. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. But listen, right tackles have gotten more and more important, especially, and we, and we talked about this, and you're kind of the, the poster boy, at least over at Bucks Nation, for run game is what you need to be successful. And jo- Jack Conklin, Yeah, and, and Jack, Hawk, <laughs> Jack Conklin is not you know the greatest run blocker in the world either. But he's an upgrade over Demar Dotson. He's 26 years old. He's got uh, he's got playoff experience. I'm watching him get playoff experience right now. Um, and and uh, again, the big thing is he had a lot of potential coming out. He had some struggles. He had some injuries. But he's really kind of come on as his contract is getting set to expire. And the Tennessee Titans, I mean, they're not strapped for cash by any means, but they've got less than 60 million dollars in cap space. And when you consider that, uh, it appears Tannehill. Yeah, they got us. Well, they got to sign a quarterback, right? Which is always going to be ex- more expensive than it maybe should be. And Ryan Tannehill, whether it's Tannehill or uh, I mean, Tom Brady is, is someone that you've talked about going possibly to Tennessee. Um, Philip Rivers is another name that's been thrown around there. Those guys aren't going to be you know cheap. Uh, they may not be the top paid quarterback when it, when all is said and done, but they're not going to be cheap. Uh, they got to they got to resign Derrick Henry. You you assume they're going to resign Derrick Henry. He's gonna he's gonna want a good amount of money, especially as a running back, especially the amount of touches he gets especially the punishment he takes and the shelf life that running backs already have. This is his opportunity for, for Derrick Henry to get paid. So he's going to want some money. 
And the, and the Titans, as as well as they've done this postseason, as well as they've been able to hang, they're not a finished product either. So they might want some money to to go out and target some other guys, and they may feel like, listen, we can draft a suitable, you know, like or 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 close enough uh, suitable replacement to Jack Conklin. Uh, in April and let Jack walk and sign somewhere else. And if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think you have to give Jack Conklin a nice hard look, bring him in for a cup of coffee or two and, and see if it's a match. And if it is, then that's, that's a great situation where you can take, you can sign Jack Conklin for a little bit of money. Yeah. Got it. Um, it probably means either one or both, you know, and Donald consumer JPP is probably not coming back at that point. But if you improve your offensive line, you know, you can find talent elsewhere. Uh, and then you can, like you said, kind of draft a, a future left tackle or a depth piece in the second or third round. Uh, a guy like Makai Becton comes to comes to mind and mold him. And then when Donovan Smith's contract is up, Buccaneers fans get what they've always asked for, and Donovan Smith gets gets to become a free agent. Um, and, and that guy, that that rookie you've been molding, kind of steps into that left tackle spot. And now you've got Jack Conklin, who, if he pans out, is a solid right tackle. You've got maybe Ryan Jensen still playing that that centerpiece, Ali Marpet. And whoever that left tackle is that you drafted, you've got the makings of a solid offensive line for whoever is taking snaps behind it. Uh, so Jack Conklin's my favorite if he escapes Tennessee. That's that's the first step is he's got to escape Tennessee, right. and that market value is going to get is probably going to get uh, jacked up a little bit because of bidding. But uh, I think he's a guy, and I think it's an important enough position that you at least have to get into the conversation. Now let's let's think about this for just a second. Let's imagine a world where the Buccaneers signed Jack Conklin for an average of $15.5 million per year, which is it's a pretty high number, but would work given all the things that you just said. Then let's rewind back to when Donovan Smith got his contract and the outrage that followed. Jack Conklin's contract would be a million dollars more per year than what Donovan Smith got and he's not even the guy protecting the blind side. That's wild to me. And I'll bet you Bucks fans would go through the roof with their excitement if Conklin was the guy. I mean, obviously I would. And, and you know, he's the guy that I, I profiled in in the very first uh, Titans free agency profile that I did with for the, their first playoff game because he's the guy that immediately jumps off the page that as a guy that I want the Buccaneers to target. Where there's actually. A reasonable, a reasonable amount of possibility that he's actually going to be, uh, you know, uh, someone who comes available. Like Derrick Henry hit that list, you know. But I even, I think I even put in that piece that we're just talking Derrick Henry because you kind of have to. Like he, his right. contract's up, so you got to talk about him. But I don't think there's any way that the Tennessee Titans let him out of Nashville. Um, so Jack Conklin, yeah, I mean, you you should be excited if if a guy like Jack Conklin comes up. But I do have another right tackle in mind who's just as young and maybe not as as well known, but I think is still has some good upside to him. Mm. Is that uh, Efedi from Seattle? Efedi, yeah, Jermaine Efedi. He was a guy. Yeah, I, I really him. liked him yeah. when he came out of college. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks offensive line gets a lot of 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 crap, I guess. I don't know. They don't get a lot of love. A lot of people kind of look at the Seattle uh, front line and, and think it's pretty weak. And, and maybe it is, but you know, again, coaching matters, fit matters, scheme matters, uh, stuff like that. And, and he's, he's a, again, he's a young kid who's got a lot of upside to him. Um, 26 years old, just like Jack is, uh, at least when they, when he comes free to become a, a free agent. So another guy to kind of look at possibly if he, if he gets out of Seattle again, I don't know honestly what Seattle really thinks about him, if they really want to keep him or not, but, 
if so if he hits the market i think the key thing to to really be aware of is the fact that there are poss- there are potential options that are going to hit the open market i mean some of these guys are going to get resigned but i don't think any of these guys are going to get franchise tagged so if they essentially refuse to accept an offer before free agency hits um, these are guys that are probably going to be able to hit the open market because i don't think their teams are willing to pay the tag price on them at least a transition tag, if anything else, which, you know, is, is a little bit still a little bit risky because you spent all that time negotiating with the guy just to have his original team match your offer sheet. But, you know, that's part of the business. I just it, there there are options. So I think that with DeMar Dotson, at least with this one specific position, this is not going to be a, situ- a situation that we see solidified until mid-March at the earliest. All right. Well, David, if they go the draft route, who are who are you looking at? Well, so when you talk about the NFL draft, it's really interesting because as of right now, there doesn't really seem to be anybody that is jumping off the page as an interior offensive lineman as like a day one or even a day two, early day two guy. But there are five or six offensive tackles out there. And of course, some of those we've already talked about. You got Jedrick Wills from Alabama, Andrew Thomas from Georgia, who it's kind of like Wills and Thomas are kind of one and two, but I've seen them kind of flip here and there depending on who you talk to. Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, Makai Becton from Louisville. Austin Jackson out of USC, and then Josh Jones out of Houston, who I know some Bucks fans are actually pretty high on. Um, that's six right there. That's six offensive linemen who kind of either are, you know, kind of expected to be day one caliber guys, or they're kind of borderline, you know, day one, early day two kind of guys. Um, but again, just more options on top of options that the Buccaneers already have to kind of shore up their offensive, that off that right side of their offensive line because. Every single one of those guys either has experience already playing at the right tackle position in major college football, or they have the potential and they demonstrate the necessary skills to play right tackle um, if if need be. So again, a situation where if you don't want to move Donovan Smith to the right, you can potentially bring one of these guys in and put him in the on the right side and probably have a pretty serviceable right tackle. But I kind of look at it, and if you draft, to me, if you draft Wills, Thomas, or worse, that to me is where the conversation of do we want one of those guys being our left tackle for the long haul? So we put him in now as a rookie and we moved on him into the right. Or, you know, is it kind of like a one-year deal where we'll, you'll play on the right for one year and then we'll move you to the left in year two? If it's Becton, Jackson, or Jones, I think you're plugging him in on the right and they're your right tackle. Uh, but Becton, Jackson, and Jones, I think 14 is too high for any of them. That's kind of like a trade-back scenario or maybe a trade-up in the second round if they fall into the second round. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens there, but a good amount of groups, like I would be happy with any of those six guys. If the Buccaneers drafted them, just depending on where they drafted them, obviously value wise. But if any of those six guys were to join the Buccaneers roster in 2020, I'd be happy with it. Yeah. And I think Jones is picking up a lot of steam among the Bucks contingent just because, you know, you take a look at all the people posting their, uh, draft network mock drafts. Um, you know, a lot of them are looking for, you know, a quarterback in the first and a running back in the second, or maybe they're even taking a running back in the first or, or whatever. And, and Jones is one of those guys that, that seems to be dropping into the, into day two. So I think he's one of those, one of those players that, I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong, but it's one of those where Bucks fans are, are starting to fall in love with him because they're falling in love with the way that they're mock drafting on the draft networks website. And you know, you just keep seeing that name over and over and over again. Right. And I mean, he's probably like if I had to pick one of those six guys to say will be available day two, not saying that they would necessarily get to the Buccaneers pick in day two, but it would probably probably be him. Um, 
But, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, the way that, you know, especially with trades, I mean, you, you look at trades and trades always have a way of shaking everybody, everybody up and shaking everything up and everything that you thought was going to happen no longer happens. I mean, there are a lot of teams for for as many quarterbacks there are that are considered day one quarterbacks. Uh, there are a lot of teams who also look like they're in the market for quarterbacks, even some who have quote unquote franchise quarterbacks on their roster. I mean, the Detroit Lions, there are Lions fans out there, I guarantee you who would want their team to draft a quarterback and basically essentially set the stage for Matthew Stafford to exit Detroit. Maybe not this year, but, you know, in the next year or two, kind of a la Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, like kind of usher in the new era of Detroit Lion football from the quarterback position. So there's that. There's obviously the Bengals who uh, I saw a report earlier today saying that the Bengals were not going to entertain offers or would not would not accept offers for the number one overall pick. But where I come from, if you're accepting offers and you're willing to entertain them, then you're willing to accept an offer. It's just you probably don't think anybody's going to jump high enough to get you to to sell. Um, so as long as the Bengals are taking offers, that number one pick is still for sale as far as I'm concerned. But you got the Bengals, you got the Bears, you got the Dolphins, uh, you got the Lions. You know, Obviously, the Buccaneers are in that mix as well. Uh, the Cowboys, I mean, listen, the Dallas Cowboys are always a wild card, in my opinion, and Dak Prescott is still not under contract. So it's the Cowboys could be in the market for a quarterback. Uh, the, the New Orleans Saints could be in, in the market for a young quarterback, depending on what they do. The Chargers uh, could be looking. The Patriots could be looking. I mean, um, Panthers. You know, the, yeah, the Panthers. I'm glad you said that the Panthers. The Falcons. I mean, the, who says the Falcons aren't going to look to draft a quarterback again to kind of set the stage for Matt Ryan's departure? Um, the Giants. So the Giants just got a new head coach. If that new head coach isn't married to Daniel Jones or isn't in love with Daniel Jones, you know who's to say that they're not going to pull what the Arizona Cardinals did, try to shop Daniel Jones around and, and try to get a new sexy quarterback themselves. So while there are like four or five quarterbacks potentially that could see day one attention or rumors or speculation, there are more than four or five teams out there who right now are drawing rumor and speculation that they might be in the market for a young quarterback. So while the Buccaneers may see or Buccaneers fans may see all their favorite quarterbacks get taken before, you know, long before pick 14, every time a team moves up, you know, to grab a quarterback, if five of the first 14 or first 13 picks are quarterbacks, that means there's only eight picks. And when, again, we look at this list, you look at at least three of these guys are solid day one guys. So you only need five teams essentially ahead of you to pick position players, which you've got enough wide receivers You've got some other defensive players, and you've got some uh, a couple running backs that teams could fall in love with to make one of these guys, either Wills or Thomas or worse, fall to number 14 or fall to, say, number 12. And Jason pulls the trigger on a deal. You know, I don't know, package Cam Brate with your number one pick, swap picks with another team, move up and grab yourself an offense tackle. So it's, it's going to be real interesting to see the way things fall. Uh, the quarterback situation is definitely going to have an impact on what happens with the Buccaneers in the draft, even if they don't end up with one of those quarterbacks. All right. Uh, one final thing for me, David, before we uh, before we get out of here on this episode, uh, Philip Rivers moving to Florida, moved his whole family. So next quarterback yeah. of the Buccaneers is Philip Rivers confirmed. Yes, it could be. Um, I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility, especially he said he said that he and his his wife decided to move their family permanently to Florida to be closer to home. Uh, JPP, that's one of the reasons he wanted to go to Tampa when he he was being traded. I don't know how much of a say he really had in it, um, or if it was just kind of a hindsight happiness type of situation, but it's one of the reasons he wants to stay with Tampa because he's closer uh, to his son, I believe. So, I mean, 
you know, home is where the heart is. And when you're a guy like Philip Rivers, you know, who's, who's dedicated your life to this team, you're looking for that opportunity to come in. There are not a lot of teams that have open quarterback jobs that also look like they're on the verge of being playoff contenders. The Buccaneers are one of them. The Dolphins are a team that people are talking about. Look, the Dolphins don't look like a playoff contender right now. The Dolphins did better, I think, than pretty much everybody expected them to do this past year with everything that had gone on there and kind of the the purge, the fire sale that they had early in the season. But they're not, they don't look, they still don't look like a team on the verge of making the playoffs. The Buccaneers are a team on the verge of making the playoffs. So if you're Phillip Rivers, um, you're signing with another team because one, you still want to play football, but two, because you still want that chance to get back to the postseason and possibly compete for a championship and for a Super Bowl title. And if you're in Florida, Jacksonville ain't doing it because nobody's taking that Nick Foles contract from Jacksonville. So that's not happening. Miami or Tampa is your only other options. Uh, Tampa to me looks like the better place to go than a place like Miami does. And I understand all the qualms about, you know, the first year in the system and it's a hard system to learn and da da da. Look, Phillip Rivers has been doing this as long as anybody. He's a smart quarterback. He is a risk taker. He is a gunslinger, but he's not stupid. And I'm not saying Jameis is stupid, but Phillip Rivers is the type of veteran quarterback who could come in and potentially bridge that gap between this year and next year. Uh, or I, I brought this up too. Um, even if they could, they could possibly bring Jameis back under a franchise tag. And if Phillip is willing to come back at a reasonable enough of a price, come in and compete. That is on the far end of the spectrum. As far as I'm concerned of possibilities, I'm not saying that's something that could actually happen. It's just, it's, it's not a, it's, it's one of those never say never type of situations. You know what I mean? Um, it's intriguing, but I feel like the dolphins might go after him hard, especially on like a one year, one year deal. Um, and pay him kind of overpay him because they've got a ton of cap space as well. And I, I wouldn't put it past the Miami dolphins to use all the draft capital they've got this year that everybody assumes they're going to use to take a young quarterback and build around them to actually build a team drafts in the trenches, draft weapons, draft position players, and then plug in like a Phillip rivers for a whole lot of money for one year. Let those rookies all, all kind of marinate and then do whatever they need to do to buy Trevor Lawrence next year and insert Trevor Lawrence into what is now a better team infrastructure for a young quarterback. And now you've got five years with a quarterback on a rookie deal on a team that just had a massive infusion of draft capital. And you've got some cap space because your roster is so young to go assign one or two key free agents to maybe put that all together. I wouldn't put it past the dolphins to be doing something like that. Poor Sam Rosen. He just, he's just never going to play. Oh, Josh Rosen or Josh Rosen. Yeah, my bad. Well, I mean, but you know, uh, it, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's, he's been dealt kind of a raw deal, but he was a guy, I mean, if you, if you think back to the draft, people questioned his commitment to football in the first place and he wasn't wasn't, the kind of, he wasn't that good to begin with, but I just kind of feel a little bad for him. Ah, I mean, when you, when you, when you present the image that you're maybe not the most dedicated player in football and you're a quarterback and then you do nothing to essentially prove those those doubters wrong. Like, it's okay to come out and say, you know what, I'm going to let my play and my performance speak for me. But if you're going to do that, your play and your performance had better speak for you very loudly. Um, and it didn't with Arizona, and that may be scheme fit or coach fit or whatever. But whatever the reason is, his play did not stand out in Arizona. And so the questions of how much does he study, how much does he prepare, how much does he care – 
kept coming up and then the new coach came in. It's the same thing. You know, I, I mean, I wasn't in on the conversations or whatever, but I imagine there was at least a few conversations of, you know, how dedicated are you to this whole thing? And if he gave the same input of, you know, I don't need to convince anybody how dedicated I am. My play will convince you. Well, okay, got it. But there's a young guy named Kyler Murray out there who will live and die for this game and he's willing to prove it. So have a nice time in Miami with Ryan Fitzpatrick taking your job. Uh, yeah, there are things that he could have done to help himself, whether he stayed in Arizona or not. And I just don't think he did them because he doesn't care to. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Buccaneers fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Buccaneers fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right. Well, David, I think that is going to wrap up our uh, our 2020 offensive line positional primer episode with a little bit of quarterback talk sprinkled in because, you know, they go hand in hand. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't talk offensive line without talking quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. But coming up on tomorrow's episode, we are going to round out the 2020 positional primers, talking about wide receivers and tight ends. Um should be an interesting one because I don't think there's a whole lot that the Bucks need to do, but there might be a whole lot that they're going to do. But we will dive into that tomorrow. Until then, please make sure you're checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're sending in your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding Monday to kick off your week. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.